Welcome back to the Meet Us in Paris podcast. I'm Emily, and this is a podcast about all things travel, be it food, what to pack for your next trip, or your next exotic destination. Back with us is Lee the All Traveled. Hello, hello. Hello. And back like a bad penny is Zen. I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, hello, Lee and Zen. Um, Last week, we talked about unusual places we visited, like the Icelandic Phallological Museum or what we call the PP Museum. Uh, (laughs) the cryptozoology museum and the kite museum and we had quite a blast talking about that so after we recorded we hung out virtually for a little while and started talking about all the strange museums that exist in the world and that we still want to visit which has now become the topic for our podcast today but i'm going to take emily's line before we begin we probably should take a sponsor break That sounds like a terrific idea. They're called goals for a reason. There's something to strive for. They require attention, and they need sweat and hard work to achieve. Do you have a career goal? At UCI Division of Continuing Education, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. Start today at ce.uci.edu. That's ce.uci.edu. Okay, so we are back, and I'm excited because as we were kind of, like we said, discussing cool museums around the world, just discovering things that did not know we haven't visited yet. So there was a lot of negatives in there. One of the first <laughs> ones, <laughs> and before someone gets all grammarly on my butt, I want to throw out there that one may think, you know, like, okay, with mu- so many museums out there, Where on earth would the Mustard Museum be? And you're going to be the National Mustard Museum. And this is national in terms of the U.S. Can we guess? Guess. Yes, please. I vote vote, uh, Germany. In the national U.S.? In the U.S.? (laughs) Oh, I thought you said... We annexed annexed Germany since the last show. I thought you said international. Okay, never mind. Um, Okay, then it's going to be Cleveland, Ohio, because there's lots of Germans, sir. Ooh, Am that's I? a smart guess. I want to guess someplace random like Montana. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Wisconsin. Now, Ooh, I would have thought okay. they would be all over cheese curds, but apparently they, they've also got mustard going on. And yeah. it has more than 5,600 types of mustards from every state, all 50 states and 70 countries. It even has a mustard vending machine, but all of that pales in comparison to the story behind the museum because the founder of the museum, Barry, uh, Barry Levinson, after his, after his favorite baseball team, the Boston Red Sox, lost in 1986, it shook him to the core. So he sought meaning in the life of the supermarket like we all did during the pandemic. <laughs> and he swears that he heard the mustard talking to them. Oh, God. <laughs> If you collect us, they will come. So in 1992, years later, he left his job with the state of Wisconsin and then just opened up what is now one of Wisconsin's most popular attractions, the National Mustard Museum. What? That's so funny. Is it, do they pair it with cheese? I wonder. Or if it's like separate. It's it's just, it's just mustard. (sighs) 
5,624 of them. But wow. I know. Wow. And, and I'm still, I mean, there's a lot of Scandinavians over there. Well, I mean, I guess it's just a person's passion, not necessarily a German or French heritage or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, oh leave God. it to me. I get to sneak in like a Boston thing. You know, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm stunned. And I wonder how big it is. It's pretty big. It's multi-story. It's multi-story. It's like it really? looks like a, an old factory. Uh-huh. Um yeah, it's it's pretty darn big. They've got I mean, they they have the 2021 medal winners from the worldwide mustard competition or as the insiders like to say the WWMC. Does that um, wait, is that competition who can make the best mustard or like who can consume the most mustard? No, it's 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 a quality, not quantity. Ah, okay. Good question though. Good question. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, I don't know how I'm going to beat that one. Um, so I'm s- semi cheating because it's strange about the you know talking about strange museums is because we're originally kind of supposed to pick ones that we want to go to, but I actually kind of searched these things out. <laughs> so <laughs> I've actually been to a lot of these places that I'm going to talk about, but the first one I want to talk about is. How about the post National Postal Museum in DC? In DC, uh huh. Yeah. So, um, I, Lee, do you know when? I mean, do you have a rough idea when that opened? I'm going to say the 1800s. The National Postal Museum? No, later. I thought it was like a newer one. Oh, I'm, I'm actually, this is like, I, cause you're, you're from that coast. I thought you, I, I never knew about the National Postal Museum. It was 1993, established 1993. Wow. And the tickets are free. Yeah. As yeah. they should be. Yes. Well, they're, <laughs> the only reason is I've been going to the Smithsonian my whole life. I mean, probably since four years old. And, um, and I hadn't gone back for quite a few years after moving to this coast and went back. It's like, there's a postal museum. So, I mean, it seems like a very strange, you know, like there are so many, it's part of the Smithsonian. Mm-hmm. All the Smithsonian museums are free. The national postal museum houses one of the most, one of the largest uh, stamp collections in the world. And it presents America's postal history from colonial times to the present. And so they have everything from trains. They, I, they have like trucks. They have different mailboxes in there um, from over the years. Uh, they actually have like essentially when you see an archive of a museum where you go to a wall and you pull on a handle and a whole like a, something slides out and there's hundreds of stamps in there. Whoa. They have planes in there. Um, it, it's just amazing the amount of things that they have dealing with the postal service. And I thought it was very interesting that the Smithsonian has decided, I mean, cause you know, I always think of the Smithsonian, oh, they have the natural history museum. They have a, you know, art, modern art, they have classic art. And then you have a postal museum, which seems very <laughs> different than any mm-hmm. other type of museum yes. that they have. Um, it is a huge, um, actually, when you go in the entrance hall, I believe this is in the original, one of the 
original post offices in Washington, D.C. You go into the main hallway and the whole length of the hallway is if you've ever been to um, like an old post office where they have all the little individual post boxes that you can Mm -hmm. rent out and they have, you know, like just walls and walls of these beautiful old mailboxes. Um, But if you're in Washington, D.C., I mean, even, even if you're not interested in stamps, this is just fascinating. And they have all sorts of presentations. I They have that one stamp where the plane is upside down, which is worth millions of dollars. Oh, yes. Yeah. They, um, the other part is they have lots of computerized, computerized displays, but they also have interactive exhibits. It's like, for example, you can design your own stamp. So, yeah, you design your own stamp. You know, they give you all sorts of different types of thing, uh, like how much you want it to cost, what the borders will look like. Is it black and white? Will it be color? What kind of images? Um, I got a really cute one that my daughter made of with a cat, you know, because she loves cats. (laughs) And then you, you can email them to yourself so you can make as many. And then the other part is. Uh, this was kind of neat is that they actually um, at the time that I went about two years ago, um, they actually have boxes and boxes and boxes of stamps, international stamps that you could just randomly take. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I, my assumption is, is that they, um, you know, at the post office, they fall their international stamps that have fallen off of letters or, They've managed to take them off of letters and they've all been canceled and it's just boxes and boxes of them. And they say, Oh, take five of them um, and take them home with you. It's like a free souvenir. So it's just very, very interesting to go and see. Um, I really highly suggest going to see the national postal museum. Well, that's brilliant on their part because I mean, it's just like a good drug dealer on your corner does, you know, the first (laughs) one free and then you're hooked. So, I mean, that's, br- I mean, that, and that's why they are the government. Yep. 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 Um, and, and my, and, and you're right because my daughter, um, because she saw all these stage coaches and stuff like that. And, um, actually it was very interesting. They taught, um, colonial history through about c- colonial history through the postal service mm-hmm. and showing the roots of the postal service and such. Um, she's kind of become a little bit of a stamp collector too. So there you go. Cute. Okay. Um, When I was doing research on oddball museums, I, for some reason, am very interested in kind of like, basically all the descriptions were like, not for the faint of heart. And I was like, why am I interested in this? Because I, I have faint of heart. But like, these are so interesting. <laughs> um, so I will, it's, there's kind of a theme in like my list. It's like witchcraft and also like surgical and also like death and funerals. <laughs> funerals. So I'm going to go with oh, something my. stateside. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with something kind of, it's stateside, but kind of not as morbid, maybe. Um, It's the International Museum of Surgical Science, and it's in Chicago, Illinois. (laughs) Um, This is funny because 
I am terrified of like certain like needles, blood, that kind of stuff. But if you put it in a museum and tell me the history about all like the different tools, it's very fascinating <laughs> to me. <laughs> um, but <laughs> because I'm not watching someone being pricked or someone being, you know, or going open. under. Yes, I just get to see the tools that were used over the course of history. Um, so this international museum, it's the International Museum too, so that's kind of cool. Uh, international Museum of Surgical Science is dedicated to the history and science of surgery. So it is, like I said, not for the faint of heart, but also maybe it's interesting because it has that history aspect. Um, but there's a collection of art and artifacts and charts of different practices from prehistoric times through to today's modern day um it's in it's a really beautiful building it's in its 18th century mansion next to lake michigan and it's four floors and includes a 16th century austrian amputation saw <laughs> and uh, a dozen I know, but and also dozens sculptures. Yes, it's the International Museum of Surgical Science. Like it's got the whole world's history of surgery, which sounds really morbid and scary, but is also really fascinating. (laughs) And it's funny because it's a beautiful building, and the pictures of the building, it's like pristine white and like white, 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 which is so funny because um so my mom she's a doctor too and she whenever we watch movies of like kind of okay example the crown not a movie but a tv show if you're not familiar it it, it's a story based on the queen of england's life from when she becomes queen until kind of now-ish i don't know but in the first season um the king her father goes through surgery and like the royal surgeon or medical team, they actually come to the, um, what is it called? The Buckingham Palace and actually do surgery on him in this grand ballroom. And they're all wearing like freshly pressed, like white coats. Everything's like crisp and white and white, 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 white. Everything's white. And my mom always laughs because she's like, I don't know why. They're so keen on like wearing white to surgery when you're like cutting people open and you're going to get blood on yourself. That's funny. Um, But that's just such an interest. And then this specific um, International Museum of Surgical Science, it's like marble white inside. Um, So the architecture is really pretty if you're not into surgery, I guess. But I would assume if you're going to this museum, you're going to be interested in some sort of surgical aspect maybe like me i don't know it's just really fascinating to me not the, watching surgery but just seeing things involved in surgery i guess does your mom critique surgery uh surgery movies like oh, if they're in surgery yes. she's like watching dr strange it's like no no, no, no. That's <laughs> not how they would do it's it. it's mostly uh what is she so she actually dr strange was she likes the movie in itself, but what she critiques is um, Grey's Anatomy. She laughs. Like, she cannot watch Grey's Anatomy. Because um, she's like, this is ridiculous. This is not, like, that's not how that would happen. Like, no one has these types. Like, she's just, um, 
always talking about that. But things like um, like what I was just talking about, the crown, um, I forgot what kind of surgery it was, but she was like, she was actually part, it was, it was more correct than Grace Anatomy is. Um, oh my God. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, on YouTube, I don't know how I got into this, but uh, they all started showing up once I started watching one is that they have surgeon critiques surgery movies. <laughs> and then the next one, martial artists critiques martial oh arts films. And then it just went down the rabbit hole of, and they're all different channels. But then like, you know, sniper, <laughs> professional sniper, you know, start critiques all sniper movies. And, you know, there's we need one, to, get to do the surgeon yes, one. There's one that I watched that I actually really thought was interesting was like, CIA agent critiques um, like m- people in movies trying to blend in or like their um, oh what is so it? You see them. You see yeah, them I see too. Okay, yeah, yeah, and it's so fascinating because they're like, yeah, that would never work, or they're like, oh, that was actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but kind of easing oh, us into no, my theme of weirdness you you need to go you need to go to that surgery museum and find some like souvenirs for your mom yeah <laughs> well, i know what's in the souvenir shop yes oh i i wonder what they do sell in the souvenir shop replicas of of the <laughs> reputation saw <laughs> oh a miniature uh, like a miniature r- surgery saw but made into a necklace Oh god. Oh gosh. <laughs> Cut me up. <laughs> wow. Well, and going from there cuz I was like, oh, the the I, I cuz I actually have seen the pharmacy museum in in New Orleans mm-hmm. and and it's interesting in and of itself. But I'm actually going to take us to one that my family and I we threaten that we're going to visit someday and that is in it's the Bear Can Museum of Northampton. It, it's located in Northampton, Massachusetts. So it's close to where we live. And it's, it's actually kind of funny because it's, there are, it's been around for more than 40 years. So this isn't like some, you know, a bunch of like frat guys who just were like, yeah, this is going to be a museum. They've actually got like 4,000 beers that are either suspended from the ceiling or on shelves. And they, they have some really interesting ones, including, Billy Beer, which was made oh, yeah. by Jimmy Carter's brother. I mean, I had one I, of those cans. We, I remember seeing one in like my dad's barn, you know. Uh, they've got the steel flat top ones. I mean, the cone top cans and stuff like that, stuff from the 30, anywhere from 1930 to 1960. Uh, and so it's just kind of an interesting novelty sort of thing. But yeah, the, we keep saying like, oh, we, we need to squeeze this one in and then hit <laughs> the bars afterwards. But yeah, the vintage like Schlitz that you, you know, you'd see like on TV shows and stuff from the seventies, they've got them all. Ooh. Emily, just for you, for you in particular, um, Billy Beer is the beer company started up by Billy Carter who was President Carter's younger brother, I think. Yes. And and he was always just like, you know, like when he was president, he was just like a, just always a sore subject for Jimmy Carter because his brother was always getting in trouble. But he used his, <laughs> Billy used his celebrity to start up a beer company. I don't think it went very far, but it called it Billy Beer. So that's that's the whole thing about Billy Beer. And as a kid uh, in, from the seventies, all of us kids collected beer cans for some reason in Ohio. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. anyways, well, and, 
and we may get some listeners who like write in because this is not the only beer museum. There's actually another beer museum in Pittsburgh. There claims to be another one, I believe, in Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So, yeah, men everywhere are trying to have their own brewery or beer museum. Controversy there. Fight amongst yourselves. Oh, yeah, Iowa. Another one in (laughs) Iowa. (laughs) So that could be a great road trip is I'm going to hit all of the national, you know, all of the beer and brewery museums. You know what? In Japan, they have a ton of them, too. Mm-hmm. But there's for the specific, so there's like a Sapporo Museum, and um, I never pronounce this, but it's Ibisu, Y E B I S U. They have a beer, and um, there's a there's actually that's where I s- stayed one time in Tokyo, and that whole intentionally of, or unintentionally, uninten- it was just a nice hotel, <laughs> and it was close to the subway, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was just so the thing is like I think it was like a Westin, and it was like oh this is very close to the hotel it's a nice hotel and to find out the whole area used to be a big brewery and they still had a museum there mm. so um but a whole section of town dedicated to beer hmm. not a bad place to go okay I can't remember who's up to bat. I think it's you. I think it's, it's you. Me. Oh man. Dazzle you put us. Put me on the spot. Dazzle <laughs> you. Um this is one I have not been to. Um there is the um Oh jeez, it's the Neon Museum in Las oh, in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah. Have you been there? No. I ha- I've seen videos of it. I have not it been was- there. Yeah, it was part of my long list, but I decided to stick with my weird theme of not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so that's kind of um, that's the thing is that I've been wanting to go to this museum outside of Las Vegas, and it's I think it's you know they always call it the National Museum, but it's it's all the when you watch old movies, Las Vegas looks very very different than it looks today today and um it's super super you know like if you watch an old go watch there's like an old sean connery james bond film where they go to las vegas and it's so cool because it's got all these neon lights when you go to las vegas today it's it's like i don't know it's it's like a it's a whole city on steroids it's like like an amusement park but like so much more and for much longer yeah, and and it, everything's like it's almost like Texas size. Everything's huge. Yes. Each each hotel is its own city, and it's next to another city, next to another city, and everyone because they're all trying to, they're all vying for your dollars. They have a bigger and bigger, bigger sign. It doesn't look anything like old Las Vegas. Um, so this museum, um, the Neon Museum has picked up all a lot of those old muse- all those old neon signs from um, the past and they put them on the multi-acre piece of property and you can actually go out and check out all these neon signs um, and they have a bunch of maintenance workers who constantly are fixing them a lot of them are light bulbs some of them are neon and they all work apparently 
So um, it's something I've always wanted to see. You can go there at night and they light them all up. It has all those old Stardust signs and um, casinos that you've never heard of, but they're just mm-hmm. amazing. And um, um, and some of them are newer, even from like the Hard Rock. So totally worth going to see is my understanding um, because I've, I've had some friends go there and I just really, really want to see it. It's, it's also been like featured in like mo- like I want to say like like see C- well, of course CSI the original CSI and stuff like that and it did they it looks haunting at night. Is it like someone they're like like a thief runs through? There's always like a thief running through that or something like that. Something and they're chasing like that. after that, yeah. yeah. So that's that's my suggestion. Go see that thing. I want to go <laughs> see that thing. Um. <laughs> Okay, moving on to my weird, not for the faint of heart. Um, the Museum of Vampires and Legendary Creatures. Maybe this is not for the not not for the faint of heart, but just I don't know if it's scary or not. I, I'm not sure. But guess where this Museum of Vampires and Legendary Creatures is? It's a I- not in the U.S. It's not in the U.S.? It's not in the U.S. Transylvania. I want to say something really weird just because you said that. You that know, I would, like- I would also say Transylvania, but it's actually in Paris, France. What? Oh, yeah. you know, that makes sense, though. Yeah, that makes sense. If you've read Interview with a Vampire by um, Anne Rice, yeah, a lot of it. T- yeah, that, I, I, could, I could get behind that. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So this is on the outskirts of Paris is called uh what is I'm, I was going to try and speak French, but it's the Museum of Vampires and Legendary Creatures. Um if you want to translate that to French. Um, but Where's Kristen? Is, when when you I need know. Her. <laughs> I wonder if Kristen knows about this or if she went. Um okay, so it is exactly what it sounds like. It's a museum that's totally focused on the world of vampires and other mythical creatures and their place in folklore and modern culture. It oh. was founded by Jacques Surgeon, something like that, um, a self-proclaimed <laughs> vampirologist. Uh, I don't actually know what year it was established, but you know, vampirologist. Uh, whenever that is there created, <laughs> postgraduate work required for that. Oh, I think there's some stuff on Coursera. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it, it's out of the University of Cincinnati or something. It, it's an affiliation <laughs> thing, but yeah, no, it's, it's a course. It's a thing. Yes, um, but it was. It's a private museum, and it has a collection of just. Actually, okay. Now that I'm looking at pictures, it is kind of scary. <laughs> there's there's this room. It looks like almost this. I don't know how old this picture is but it's almost like you went into someone's basement and they have like this old stuffy couch um, on the side of the wall. And then the whole room is covered in different art pieces depicting vampires and other related mythical creatures. That's a little terrifying. Um, So objects include other than what I just said, um, crossbows, 
uh, Dracula toys, an anti-vampire protection kit, and um, <laughs> you, know, you never and know. And Wesley Snipes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Oh, yeah. Tom yes. Cruise. Uh, lots of antique books and a mummified cat. I don't know if that's... I don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> but it, it is a private establishment, so you do have to make an appointment online before you visit. And I just... I don't know, like... I want to know more about it. I really didn't do much. I read the the title of the museum and I was like, that sounds cool. And it's in Paris. I'll go. Um, (laughs) But I don't know if it's like supposed to be spooky or if it's more historical. It honestly, it just sounds like, and looks like this guy, Jacques, the self-proclaimed vampirologist, he just like collected a bunch of vampire related things and then put them on display. Um, That's not uncommon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, (laughs) in California, there's quite a few um, car museums, small car museums, which are actually collectors, personal, uh, like a multimillionaire personal collection. And they're trying to like, how do I make money off of my cars? Or how do I keep them maintained? And they open up museums. And so it turns their cars into nonprofit things. And then mm-hmm. people have parties there and, you know, like they'll have parties in front of these okay cars. And then that pays for the maintenance of his cars. There's a couple in Orange County. Yeah. Oh, there are some. Yeah. yeah. And some of them are really nice. And- yeah. And some of them are kind of mediocre, mm-hmm. but it pays for the bills, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta appreciate that. Well, as you know, I, I love me some food. So, oh, wait. Yeah, no, it is my turn. Um, and yeah. I had no idea this was so close to us, but I would go bananas over the International Banana Museum located in Mecca, California, close to the Salton Sea. It is, it's just really appealing to me. And, and I'm honestly split about what I would like most. Uh, because they have a banana bar. They have over 25,000, 25,000 banana related items. They actually hold the world record for having the most banana things. And it's not just looking at banana attire or banana gifts. You can even have homemade banana ice cream, banana milkshakes, frozen bananas, because there is money in the banana stand. Um, so it is just, it is so cool. And they actually are temporarily closed because of COVID. Um, but it, you can't beat the admission because the admission is only a dollar. Um, but yeah, but on Mondays is their maintenance day, but they, but they still are committed to selling ice cream and frozen bananas on that day. Oh, I love it. <laughs> it awesome. is so cool. I mean, and literally like images of it, like banana outfits, judging, I mean, ranging from like a Hawaiian shirt that's covered in bananas to an elegant banana gown, um, banana headbands. I mean, any sort of household appliance you could probably put make like you can imagine there's a banana like it, uh, mm-hmm. banana phones, banana food scales. I mean, it is it's crazy. Now it's it the the museum itself looks like it's oh, and it, you can't miss it. It's in a bright yellow house, um, 
Oh, fitting. That's so fitting. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> fitting. And it's it's definitely a labor of love of this couple. Um, and it looks like they, they, they have a house just dedicated to to their love of bananas. Wow. All right. Um, talking about personal collections um, brought up a couple of thoughts that I sh- thought I should talk. So this was not what I had prepared, but um, Emily, I'm not sure if you were in on the podcast. We, we have another podcast that we do, which is um, uh, main street UCI, which talks about Disney things. And one of our hosts is a name woman named Stephanie and she has actually gone to this, and it's called Rancho Obi-Wan. I was oh. not on the episode, but I do remember her just generally talking about it. <laughs> okay. So if you have a chance, go check out Main Street UCI if you want to hear a whole podcast about Rancho Obi-Wan. But what Rancho Obi-Wan is, it's a independent museum housing the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection. Um, it's owned by a super collector. His name is Steve, Steve Sansweet, and he has it's like a nine thousand square foot museum building. Um, and apparently, so they call it Rancho Obi Wan, and part of it is because actually it's on a, f- I think it's on a farm from what she describes. Mm-hmm. It's in the wow. middle of nowhere, and so it used to be like a chicken, um, like a chicken, uh like building or something like that and um i forget how it is something and apparently it had twenty thousand chickens but they made it into a non-profit and there are thousands of thousands of everything they have all the star wars figures they have all the star wars planes they have all the lego kits they have all the blasters they have all the swords lightsabers and um it's just amazing if you want if you grew up with star wars and you saw a toy or you owned a toy growing up they have it in its original packing on the original cardboard backer board um so it's it's a private museum you do have to um my we'll have to i'll have to listen to the podcast again but essentially my understanding is you have to um you have to arrange for a time and they only do small groups it's not like open to the public um at all mm-hmm. time mm. so rancho obi-wan if you're a star wars fan and you want to see all those toys from your childhood Question. go check it out and it's in california yeah a question. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but the guy who started and created this, um, is he just like a super fan or was he related or worked on Star Wars at all like that? Or like what's his relationship or to Star Wars? Does he you know just what? love it? <laughs> I think he, I thought he had um I don't know. I mean I, I'm not sure, but for some reason I got the off the top of my head, I feel like that he was tangentially related to the movie industry because Mm. apparently they have a ton of set pieces and all those types of things as well. So it's not like just toys, but he has a bunch of things like that as well. So um, you would have to ask Stephanie again, but um, yes, just curious, but very cool. Oh, I know. I know. Um, He used to work as a director of um, specialty marketing at Lucasfilms. 
So it, like he wasn't involved necessarily with the movies directly, but he was like a marketing officer. Yeah. You know, real, you know, anyways. Yeah. And cool. I think it was his own personal collection that, and it just kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So. Very cool. Um, oh, that brings us to me. Okay. Um, if you had to choose where you would put the National Museum of Funeral History, where would you put it in the United States of America? Where there's lots of dead people. Oh, I'm so... I, I, I'm just going to put it in, like, North Dakota, because North Dakota needs love. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna, yeah. I was going to say something East Coast-ish. Ooh. I don't know. Okay. It's a weird, not weird, but I just wouldn't think of it. The National Museum of Funeral History is actually in Houston, Texas. Oh. Out of all places. <clears throat> interesting, right? Okay. Well, um, again, I don't know why. It's just very interesting to me. Um, this is a full collection of exactly what it sounds like. Artifacts from burials and funerary, that's a new word, funerary artifacts and um, burial traditions uh, throughout all of history. Um, And it was started in 92 and they've just been adding to it. They have like a, a permanent collection and then like a, what's it called rotating collection special exhibits um that you can walk through that includes like an exhibit there's an exhibit that's totally dedicated to dia de los muertos the day of the dead so you get to learn about the history of that or you can also learn about the history of embalming um or the deaths and lives of all our popes or the history of cremation or all of the presidential funerals just like it's actually really interesting and then all the stuff they have on display like they have historical hearses which it's really cool to see how (laughs) i don't know to see how hearses have been developed over time like back in the 1900s they were super super ornate um like wood carvings and then now they're kind of just like cars (laughs) but um just really fascinating to see it's kind of like you know when you go to haunted mansion in disneyland and you walk past those carriages in the front (laughs) imagine that (laughs) but like all through history of time (laughs) and then you see it across different cultures and different countries and things like that what is interesting though is this museum is not just a museum it is obviously it's a museum but they you can rent the museum out (coughs) for your own memorial service or (laughs) or non-traditional weddings um oh i I guess i totally saw that one yeah or i guess people will rent it out for lunch and learns um or corporate events for team building i don't know why (laughs) but if you're into that um People have. I don't know why morale is so low. <laughs> we had that great team builder at the funeral. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Uh, you could have birthday parties there. Um, obviously, oh, you know, some Halloween goth parties. Girls having hers. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did, did they have Prince Philip's Land Rover? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, and then my favorite is just because of the way that they described it. They're called lock-ins, which is basically you oh. stay there overnight. But that they call them lock-ins. Oh, <laughs> like you're locked wow. in there. Um, yeah, it's a really fascinating place. Wait, actually. is it? Is it a museum and an operating funeral home too? Do you get the impression? For first and foremost, it just looks like a museum. But then you kind of go through their website, and then you have a rent the museum, and you can They're- rent it for a memorial service. So I don't know if it's necessarily. Oh, okay. Uh, promoted as their own working funeral service place. Not only are we a museum, <laughs> we're an operating you know, funeral home, you know. Exactly. And oil changes. <laughs> yeah, we, got, we do all of it. But oil changes specifically for the hearses. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, it's a really fascinating place. So, um, okay, I'll go over, like, the specs. It's a 30,500 square foot exhibit with... It includes a 10,000 square foot dining, kitchen, and private meeting space to accommodate all kinds of fully catered events. Wow. Um, there's a 100-seat auditorium. Um, uh, they also include that there's 150 on-site parking spaces uh, if you, you know, have a party of 150 cars. And um, it's it's very interesting it's all about the education of funeral history cool. i'm trying to think of how i would feel if a guy took me there on a first date yeah i don't know like, if it's a first date type of place <laughs> like you're confident in yourself and you're you're educated but also you're creepy like i'm trying to think like okay what would what would that say about someone you got some interesting you got some interesting hobbies dude yeah <laughs> Yeah. Okay, I am going to throw out one of my favorite museums. Um, it's the Charles Schultz Museum yeah. in Santa Rosa, California. So the Charles Schultz, my growing up as a kid, I loved to read Peanuts, the comic, and uh, see what Snoopy was going to do and see what the gang was going to do. This is a museum that is dedicated to Charles Schultz, um, who was the founder. Uh, I mean, he's a writer, artist, and it is just amazing. Go check it out. It's got a collection of thousands and thousands of the original strips. They have lots of murals. They actually have his office, um, and you can see what his office looked like. Um, It talks about the history of it. They even show, like, did you know Peanuts used to sell cars? They had commercials of them in the 1970s. Really? Yeah, they're like certain cars, they actually used them to sell Peanuts, the ca- cartoon, to sell cars. So if you like Peanuts, you like Snoopy, go check them out. And this is the one I haven't made it to, which is terrible because I wanted to. And it was, um, there's one in Tokyo as well. Um, it's the only satellite. Um, I forget exactly where it was, but it's so funny because I wanted to go, just didn't find the time. Um, but we looked on the map and found out that it was like 
probably a quarter mile away from our hotel. So we spent the whole time in the city. It's like, do we have time? We don't have time. Do we have time? We don't have time. It's like, okay, we can't make it. And to find out it was like walking distance from our hotel. Oh, no. It's like, oh, man, like, you know, not across the street. But, um, you know, and it's a satellite. And um, if you're in Tokyo, because um, Japan, Japanese love, well, specifically Snoopy, because they call it the Snoopy Museum mm-hmm. in um, in Japan. So and and it's kind of like uh, Hello Kitty to them. It's on their mm-hmm. backpacks. You can get it on like coffee makers or whatever. So it's they almost treat it like a character. Not so much they don't recognize it as much as the comic itself. So, mm. oh, so that's my last one for today. Nice. Okay, I wanted to also throw in one quick thing. Not weird, but. I think everyone should go there if they can. The Lint Chocolate Museum oh, in Switzerland. Yes. I thought you were going to say Lint, like belly button lint. Or okay. <laughs> That's a different one. <laughs> That's a different <laughs> museum. Also in Switzerland, no. Um, but the, <laughs> this Lint with the D museum, it's ch- exactly what it sounds like. It's a chocolate museum. And the best part, even more so that it's the chocolate museum, is that you get unlimited chocolate tastings <gasps> oh. there's no cap you can take as many as you want when you're in there subject uh, to abuse <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that it's it's exactly what it sounds like museum about chocolate that's what i'll end with um awesome yeah well We've covered a lot of different types of ground with our oddball museums. Uh, thank you for tuning in and listening. Hopefully one of them was interesting to you and you will check it out too. Um, we hope you had as much fun as we did listening and talking about it um, as we did. Let us know what you think on our social media channels where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles and more. And if you're newer to our podcast, check out some of our older episodes on Cuba, London, and of course, France, just to name a few. Meet Us in Paris is a University of California, Irvine Division of Continuing Education Production. If you need a career boost, looking to increase your workplace knowledge or seeking a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu for their professional courses. And thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. But there's no courses on vampirology. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. (laughs) (laughs) But we did have a course on The Walking Dead at one point.